Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, I'm going to tell you a story about a murder spree that took place in 1958 and includes an extended relative of mine, whom I've never met. This story is about Charles Starkweather and Carol Ann Fugate. So pour yourself a strong cup of joe and let's dive on in. In the 1950s, Lincoln, Nebraska was a small town where there was little to no crime, and everyone trusted everyone. They left their doors unlocked, and it was a pretty happy, well-knit community. Why is it it feels like so many murders start out that way? Where's a small town where nothing happens? Yeah, when I was researching this, one of the first things I thought of was your Velisca axe murder case that you did, where they all left their doors unlocked and then ended up slaughtered. So does this case also have a concerned neighbor who takes care of their chickens? Unfortunately, no. Oh, what's the point in telling the story then? Exactly. Maybe we'll just skip it. Charles Raymond Starkweather was born November 24, 1938, to Guy and Helen Starkweather during the Great Depression. Everywhere I looked said that this was a pretty good family to be in. The family had little money, and Guy worked as a carpenter, although he had rheumatoid arthritis, so that meant that Helen would have to pick up a lot of shifts as a waitress at a local restaurant. Now, I've heard of that in a lot of commercials, I feel like, but what is rheumatoid arthritis? So rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease that is inflammatory, and it affects the joints in your hands and your feet. So basically, your immune system is attacking itself, and it causes the inflammation in your body. So it makes it hard to do a lot of different things and it can it really impacts people's day-to-day lives. Charles was born third in the line of seven children. The family, while they didn't have money, never struggled to feed and clothe their children. As a child, Charles attended Saratoga Elementary High School and was bullied repeatedly for speech impediment and for walking with a bow leg. And a bow leg just means that when you walk, your knees stay apart, even if you are standing with your legs together. So people thought that he looked kind of funny and made fun of him. So like Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. I've not noticed that, (laughs) but yeah. Charles was also considered a slow student by teachers and by peers, which caused them to make fun of him even more. It was later discovered, though, when he was about 15 years old, that he had severe myopia and was not able to see things 20 feet away. So when he was in class and stuff, it would be really hard for him to see the board and be able to read different things. So the teachers and the students all kind of made him feel like an outcast. The teachers did? As far as I saw in the research that I did, the teachers were included in that. That's sad. So all of this being made fun of and being made to feel like an outcast kind of shifts into him turning into a bully. So in middle school, he really started to excel at gym and got physically bigger. So he started being verbally and physically aggressive with his peers and his peers all began to fear him. One of his high school friends, Bob Van Bush, actually quoted, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. He was a hell of a lot of fun to be around, too. Everything was just one big joke to him, but he had this other side. He could be mean as hell, cruel. If he saw some poor guy on the street who was bigger than he was, 
better looking or better dressed, he tried to take the poor bastard down to his size, end quote. And I don't know about you, but I don't think that that's how I would like my high school friends to describe me. (laughs) Probably not. The first part was nice, and then it just dropped. Well, and I think that kind of shows Charles all in a nutshell. I mean, he was nice on the outside, but on the inside, he had this evil desire to be in control and not allow himself in another situation where he was the victim. Well, I think we all know those people, too, where if they like you, they're super nice, but you can just see them be, like, so vicious to other people who bother them for one reason or another. At age 16, Charles dropped out of Lincoln High School and started working as a lorry loader for a newspaper. So he basically moved equipment from one place to another. Then in 1956, at the age of 18, Charles met 13-year-old Carol Ann Fugate through her sister. Carol's sister was dating a good friend of Charles, and that's how they met. Charles was described at this time to have that James Dean look. It was apparently super popular back then, that Rebel Without a Cause theme, and all the teenagers were doing it. So he'd even gone as far as dyeing his natural red hair black, just like James Dean. He was about five foot, five inches tall, and well-built. He was also sporting some black and white cowboy boots at the time to really complete that James Dean look. This is what is believed to have drawn Carol to him. She was a student at the same school that Charles had attended. It didn't seem like she really got into much trouble at school, but one of the classmates reported that there was an incident in art class where she got in trouble for something and was quoted telling the teacher, quote, one day I'm gonna kill you, end quote. And the documentary that I watched about this said how common it is for teenagers to say that to people. And... I just don't think I agree. I don't think I ever told my teachers, at least to their face, that I was going to kill them. I just don't know that it's like a a thing. And I mean, I guess maybe I've said it metaphorically, like if I'm super mad, but never to their face. Like like maybe behind their back where it's like, I'm going to kill you. Or like, oh, I hate them so much. I'm going to kill them. Like, that's a joke. But being like to your teacher, (laughs) I'm going to kill you. Yeah. But even like sitting here saying it, it just like to me, it sounds so unnatural for me to say that about somebody well and it was serious enough for the classmate to remember it and acknowledge it at least well i also think that maybe it kind of was brought back to his mind after the events that i'm about to tell you charles had decided to teach carol how to drive using his father's 1949 ford so at this time it would have been a newer car She ended up crashing the car into another car, which left Charles's father to pay for the damages as he was the legal owner and the one that had it insured. This quickly turned into a disagreement between Charles and his father and ultimately led to his father kicking him out of the house. And I actually read that he had been banished from the household, so I'm not even sure if he was allowed to visit his family. That seems extreme. I feel like it's a little extreme. Like, if your child makes a mistake and accidentally wrecks the car... It happens. And let's be honest. Kids are dumbasses. They're going to do that. I don't know how many people I know that have wrecked or totaled cars. And their families certainly didn't kick them out for it. I Yeah, I feel like this is just a really extreme thing. And if he was banished from house where he couldn't even see his family. I mean, he was 18. So maybe it was in the 1950s. So maybe like the family had that mindset that you're 18, you move out of the house. Well, and also, I guess if 
he was kind of an aggressive kid. Maybe they had a lot of stuff leading up to it where it was, this was just the final straw. Yeah, I mean, looking back at this, the parents made a good decision to kick him out, but you can decide that at the end of the story. Eventually, Charles decided to look for another job where he could make more money. So he started working as a garbage man where he would work during the day and then be off work and able to hang out with Carol once she was out of school. At this point, Charles is 18, but Carol is how old and still in school? What, like, what grade was she in? In December, she was either 13 or 14. I know in January she was 14, but I don't know her date of birth. So she might have been 13 at this time still. So probably like a freshman? That would be my guess. Somewhere at the very beginning of high school, maybe. I was just thinking that was kind of like an age gap. Oh, it is a huge age gap. Yeah. And nowadays is something that is frowned upon. Slightly illegal. Charles was described to be an awful worker, and this job, though, was still not enough money for Charles, and he decided that he needed to find a way to get more money. As we all do. I just don't know that I would go this route. Not my recommendation. The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. December 1st, 1957 is when everything slowly starts to unfold. Charles shows up at the Crest gas station and goes in to buy a stuffed toy dog for Carol for her Christmas present. Charles doesn't really have any money, though, so he plans to buy this gift on credit. But not a credit card, the kind of credit where it's like, I owe you type of thing. And the gas station attendant, Robert Colvert, was a 21-year-old member of the U.S. Navy, and he pretty much just looked at Charles and said, uh, I can't do that. I need the payment today if you're going to take it out of the store, which is exactly what I would expect. So this immediately set off Charles's temper and he left the gas station quickly. He returned to the gas station hours later and entered the building. And the only thing he purchased was cigarettes. So part of me wonders if this was to see if the same man was still working that had been there previously or if he was just contemplating his actions and trying to decide what to do next. He then went back to his car and left, only to return again a few minutes later. This time, he purchased a single pack of gum and then left again. And I don't know about you, but if I'm the gas station attendant and this guy just keeps coming in and just purchasing like a single item like that every couple minutes, I'd probably feel a little weirded out. It's definitely strange. I mean, but what can you really do about it? Nothing, really. It's just in my head, I'd be like, 
what is happening here. Especially if he was, like, angry when you wouldn't sell him the stuffed animal dog. Yeah, and this was overnight. Like, this was... So, when he originally came to the gas station, it was, like, in the evening. But now we're overnight onto the next day already. So, it's in the middle of the night at some point and probably dark. And if somebody's coming in at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning just to buy a pack of gum, I might question it. He then parked just a little ways away from the gas station got out, tied a red bandana around his face, and walked in carrying a 12-gauge shotgun. Charles held Robert at gunpoint and demanded $100 from the register. He then forced Robert out to his car and drove him to the middle of nowhere, took him out of the car. Robert decided to fight for his life and fought Charles for the gun, and in the process, he ended up getting shot in the kneecap. Charles then took the gun and shot Robert in the head, killing him. Charles claimed that this murder made him transcend his former self to reach a new place of existence. And what that means, I have no idea. Wait, so who got shot in the kneecap? Sorry, Robert got shot in the kneecap. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so... And then Robert ended up dead. And Charles reached a new place of existence because he murdered someone? I guess. I don't know if he was just like coming to terms with who he was and he thought of himself as this murderous person. I mean, in a way, I guess if he has a control issue, that would be the ultimate way to control someone. Absolutely. So Charles supposedly ended up admitting this death to Carol, stating that somebody else was responsible, but she didn't believe him. What? I don't know. (laughs) So he like talked to her about the fact that this body had been discovered and this guy was found dead. And so he played it off as like something in the news he heard. Yeah, that's kind of what I gathered from it. And either way, that like, if she didn't believe him, why didn't she... I don't get, like, why she didn't report it or, like, do anything else with it, I guess. Well, if she thought it was just, like, him saying he heard about it or saw it in the news, it's already reported, quote, unquote, you know? Yeah, but she believed that he was the one that did it. Like, that was her thought. Oh, well, then, yeah, I don't know why she didn't report it. Yeah. So she like, she knew that it had happened. She just didn't know. She just thought, oh, well, he's the one that killed him. So sometime around this murder, Charles lost his job as a garbage man because he was a terrible worker and was in turn kicked out of his apartment due to being unable to afford rent. Things were not going well for him. Stressors. If any of y'all watch Criminal Minds. (laughs) That's exactly what this is. These are just a bunch of stressors. I mean, your family kicked you out. You just lost your job. You just lost your house. You can't buy your girlfriend a stuffed animal. Yeah, all of those add up to a bunch of stressors in life. Then on January 21st, 1958, Charles showed up to Carol's parents in the Belmont neighborhood to pick Carol up to hang out. Carol's mom and stepfather, Velda and Marion Bartlett, did not like Charles, which I'm unsure of the exact reason why, but it could be due to the fact that he is 19 years old and interested in their 14-year-old daughter. Naturally, I think. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't something that I was completely shocked with, but it also could have been due to that car accident that Carol was in, or they may have somehow known that this man was not your typical 19-year-old. Well, I think any parent's going to be concerned when your daughter's dating someone that much older who dropped out of school and doesn't have a job. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of things lining up to why they may not have liked him. But one place that I was reading, one of the articles said that her parents believed that Carol was pregnant by Charles, and that's what led to their dislike. She was not pregnant, though, at the time, 
And so I'm not sure if the parents had that idea in their head and like they had suspicions or if that was just something that came out of one of the articles and wasn't 100% valid. When Charles arrived at the house, Carol was not home. So according to Charles, he wanted to mend his relationship with the family so that he can continue seeing Carol. However, it didn't go as planned and some sort of altercation took place and Charles ended up shooting Velda in the face and Marion in the back of the head. He also then went a step further and stabbed Marion multiple times. Charles then ended up killing Carol's two-and-a-half-year-old sister, Betty Jean, as well. He then hid the family's bodies in various areas on the property. Carol stated that when she returned home from school, Charles was the only one at her house, and he stated that he was holding her family captive and that he would kill them if she didn't go along with him. I also read that Charles had told Carol of the fact that he had murdered the family, and then she helped him hide the bodies around the property. I also read that they believe that Carol was kind of the mastermind behind the killing of the parents, and Charles just acted it out. So I'm not really sure the exact truth and we see that a lot with every one of these murders there's charles account and then there's carol's account and then there's what the court is led to believe okay hold on we gotta go back here okay first off he went in there to try to make them like him and then killed them not really ideal i mean probably not the best way to get them to like you but it sounded like he kind of had tried to get them to like him and they were still just not having it and so then he said oh well okay, then you can just be dead. Also, it's interesting to me that he was able to overpower all of them like that. Well, I mean, he had the gun. So part of me wonders, I don't know who he shot first, but part of me wonders if he shot Marion first, which was the stepdad, because he was shot in the face. And then if he, Velda took off to run to grab the little girl, their daughter, And that's why she was shot in the back is because she was running away. And then if he went back and stabbed Marion after he had already carried out the other crimes, which just goes to show the overkill in this situation. It is interesting that there's different reports on Carol's involvement as well, because in my head, because this was, what year was it again? 1958. I feel like a lot of people would think that a young girl couldn't be capable of doing anything bad. So like... Even if she was more involved or the mastermind, I don't think people would be as keen to believe it. Yeah, no, I I agree. Like I said, it's still not 100% known to this day who committed which parts of the crimes on this murder spree. Yeah, well, and then on the flip side of that, too, there's a lot of, I think, psychology behind the manipulation she could have been under with him. I remember my thought processes at 13 and 14, And I can't imagine they were that thought through. I mean, I don't think I would have been a part of a murder spree, but I think you're a lot more susceptible to manipulation at that age. Absolutely. And there were a lot of places where people were like commenting about maybe she had Stockholm syndrome or something, but there were psychiatrists that talked with her and they declared that it was not Stockholm syndrome that was keeping her with him. I do wonder too, and I don't know if we'll get into this later or not, but does it talk about her home life at all? Was it normal or did she have issues? I didn't find anything about her home life. I could probably do more research. She is an extended relative of mine, so I did ask some family members if they knew anything, but nobody did. They just knew of her. So Charles and Carol stayed in the home for six days after the murders and would turn visitors away by telling them the family had the flu. Carol reported that she had wrote a note on the door to 
signify to the people that the family was sick. And the note said, quote, stay away. Everybody is sick with the flu. Miss Bartlett, end quote. Well, that would have been enough for me. <laughs> to like leave or? To not go in. I mean, I would just be like, all right. It's not like there is a, like the communication wasn't the same as it is today. So I feel like just a note on the door would have been like, okay, good to know. Yeah, but Carol wrote this note thinking that visitors would realize that something was wrong because the only Miss Bartlett in the home was the two-year-old daughter. And how was a two-year-old writing a note? The fact that so many people were unable to enter the home due to this sickness was something that made the visitors suspicious. So eventually Carol and Charles decided that they had to leave home. It was reported that Carol's grandmother was one of the visits, and she either threatened to call the police or did call the police. I saw both accounts in my research, and I believe that this is really what made Charles and Carol decide that they really needed to go. After leaving the home of Carol's family, the two went about 15 miles to the home of 70-year-old August Meyer, who was a family friend of Charles. August had gone hunting with Charles's dad throughout his childhood, and so they were very familiar with each other. As they were heading up the drive to August's house, their car got stuck in the snow and the mud, so they walked the rest of the way to the farmhouse and knocked on the door. August opened the door to let his friends in and offered to get his horses to help get their car unstuck. Charles and Carol agreed to let him help, but when August led them out to the stables to get the horses, Charles shot August in the back of the head, blowing off half of his face and killing him. Charles and Carol then went back to the house, grabbed food, money, and whatever guns they could find in his home, and then started off on foot in search of some other method of transportation as their car was stuck. Carol told police that all this violence was what made her feel like she needed to continue to listen to Charles and go with him on this trip. Charles claims to the police that when August opened up the door, he pulled a gun on them and Charles killed him in self-defense. But here's what's wrong with that. August was shot in the back of the head. (laughs) Also, wasn't he shot not at the door? The body was actually found somewhere else, and I don't know where the blood of the body was found. The stories are really kind of inconsistent, as it's from 1958. It was all over the place. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and do, like, a count. So we have the gas station guy, Carol's mom and stepdad, and step or half-sister, half-sister, and now August... But now is when he's like, oh, it was self-defense against August. Like, if you've already killed four people, man, it's not self-defense. You're on a spree. Correct. But it's self-defense in his mind, I guess, for some reason. So Carol and Charles hitched a ride with 17-year-old Robert Jensen and 16-year-old Carol King, which is something that these two teenagers would come to regret. Once in the car, Charles forced Robert to drive them to an abandoned shelter in Bennett, Nebraska. Once they arrived, Charles shot and killed both Robert Jensen and Carol King. So were they just like hitchhiking and caught a ride with them or did they know them? Just hitchhiking and caught a ride with them. Okay. They were, Robert and Carol were just being these two nice helpers and it just didn't end in their favor. And I'm going to go on a note with that. Never pick up hitchhikers. Never. If someone's like, I don't know, hurt or something, you could call the police or call someone, but I just, it's too sketchy. 
Yeah, I would always recommend calling the police if somebody's asking you for a ride because the police can either help them get somewhere safely or they can take care of it if it is somebody that's trying to do some sort of harm. Yeah, just like crack your window, say, I'm calling for help, but leave your doors locked. And if they run when you say you're calling for help, call for help quicker. (laughs) Yeah, that's when you know something's up. (laughs) Robert was found shot six times and Carol was partially nude and had been shot and then stabbed repeatedly in her sexual organs. I know you guys can't see my face, but it's not a good one. (laughs) She's been making this face through most of the story, though, so I'm just moving on. Charles claimed that he is the one that shot Robert, but he told police that Carol is the one that killed Carol which is confusing, I know, but Carol denies that she did this and that she stayed in the car while Charles killed them. After this murder, Charles and Carol took off using Robert's car. It seems less likely that it would have been Carol who killed Carol because of the fact that her like sexual organs were mutilated because I feel like often or more often than not, that would come from a man. Well, that's kind of what I thought, but... They actually, in the investigation, believe that Charles shot both Carol and Robert, but that Carol Fugate is the one that stabbed Carol repeatedly in the sexual organs. Yeah, but also I was wondering too, before this, Charles had stabbed someone as well, right? After he shot them? See, it's kind of up in the air. So once we get into the trial, I'll kind of talk about it a little bit more too, but there's a lot of this stuff that Charles says Carol really helped out. And Carol just kind of is like, I had no part in any of this. I was a victim the entire time. So we'll talk more about that towards the end of this. August's body was found the day after he was killed, and police in the community were beginning to think that they had a serial killer on their hands. They believed that it was Charles Starkweather, and they believed that Carol was with him. The murder of her family is what really tipped them off on who it might be. As after the body of Robert Colvert, the gas station attendant had been found, they had no idea who had done that. But after Carol's family had been murdered, they had a pretty good idea what was going on. Yeah, I started to make a face when you first said that they thought they had a serial killer because I thought you were insinuating that they didn't know who it was. I'm like, I feel like it's pretty obvious who was on this spree. It got more (laughs) obvious as it went, but at first they were like something's not right so police were hoping that this was the end of the killings they had killed carol's family they had a car they had money and police hoped they were on their way which they were charles and carol were on their way to the state of washington to stay with charles's brother however shortly into their trip they decided to turn back around and go back to nebraska and i couldn't find what it was that caused them to turn back around Charles and Carol then drove to an upper-class neighborhood in Lincoln, Nebraska, to the home of Lauer and Clara Ward. Neither Charles nor Carol really knew the Ward family, but Charles was familiar with the home because he had picked trash up from their house before when he worked as a garbage man. Charles and Carol entered the home and told the family that they had nothing to fear and then made Clara fix food for them. Charles then killed the Ward's maid, Lillian Fensel, by stabbing her to death and then killed Lauer and Clara by shooting them. This is another murder where Charles claims that Carol was the one that killed one of the victims, stating that she shot Clara. So what I'm gathering is that she's just taking out the people who have similar names to her. 
Of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's the only one that can have that name. No, I kind of got the like vibe that he's insinuating that she killed all the females in this, which maybe because they're a little bit easier to take down than the males. I think I would see it more as a if she was doing this, more of a um internalized hatred for like other women maybe because of something she's not liking about herself or the situation she's in maybe i'm i'm not sure like what it was that led her to possibly kill these victims but we also don't even know that she was the one that killed them yeah as far as we know she might just be a bystander i don't know i guess for me i would love to know more about her home life to know if that initial murder of her family was something she wanted carried out or not and if it was, it's interesting that the younger daughter was killed as well, if she wanted that, because I can't, I guess you would have to know more to understand that about her home life, but it just seems like typically when there's an older sibling, they're more protective of their younger sibling. And I, I didn't really want to get into this, but the family dog was also murdered. And so if we're going on the theory that she did want to kill her parents for some reason it made her angry... I don't see her going after the family dog and the two-year-old as well. Who is killing their own dog? I don't think... Yeah. I don't... At this point, for me personally, I'm having a hard time believing that Carol was was hands-on in the murders. I think she was clearly an accomplice and she was there. And I don't know how much she was under, like, duress. But for me personally, I'm leaning more towards Charles is initiating a lot of it. Yeah, I would agree. So after the murder, they stole some jewelry from the house and then went on the road again with the Ward's family car. The Ward family was found murdered in their home the next day in the morning when Lauer did not show up to work. One more question back to the women thing. Was the maid, do they think the maid was maybe killed by Carol? They believe the maid was killed by Charles. Okay. Lauer was found just inside the door, shot in the back and through his temple. Clara was found further in the home, having been stabbed repeatedly and shot. And then Lillian, the maid, was found tied to the bed and had been stabbed repeatedly with her wrists, arms, and ankles having multiple cuts on them. I think it's sounding like Charles is having some issues with women here. I think Charles is having some issues, period. He's he's definitely making the women suffer more than the, the men because they're just getting killed in, with headshots, you know? Well, and I think that's part of the reason that people believe that Carol was in on the killing of the women as if maybe he was shooting them and then she was going on the overkill and doing the stabbings so do we know if the stabbings happened post or anti-mortem we do not know i don't i am assuming the police do but i don't know if they were able to determine that in 1958 the police knew their killers were back in town but how are they going to catch these two teenagers that had a strange ability to stay under the radar Carol and Charles were on the road again, heading west, presumably to start over with a new life. Charles decided, though, that the vehicle they had stolen from the Ward's family was not good enough and was going to lead to them getting caught. They had actually heard on the radio that there was an APB put out for them, and the FBI and everybody were on the lookout. Just a question. What does that stand for, APB? All Points Bulletin. So it just means that everybody is on the lookout for that specific car or person okay so he pulled over in douglas wyoming and saw a man named merle collison who was a 37 year old shoe salesman who was sleeping in his car 
Charles wanted to take Merle's car, so he shot him nine times and killed him. So Charles claims that Carol killed him, but Carol once again claims she had nothing to do with it and she was an innocent bystander. Well, this time he was solely shot, correct? There were no stab wounds? just shot. So Charles got in the car, but couldn't figure out how to release the parking brake on the car. So a passerby named Joe Sprinkle stopped and asked if Charles needed help. And Charles pulled the gun on him and told him that if he didn't release the parking brake, he was going to kill him. Joe decided that he wasn't going to give in to the fear, and he wrestled Charles with the attempt to steal the gun from him. Joe succeeded in getting the gun away from Charles without getting shot, and a deputy showed up at the scene. When he first arrived, Carol supposedly ran to the officers and told him that she needed help as she had been kidnapped and held hostage by Charles. While Carol was talking to the officer, Charles hops in the wards car and takes off speeding down the road. This turns into a big police chase, with police shooting at him as they were following him down the road. Why didn't they have Charles restrained at all? I don't have a good answer for that. (laughs) Seems like a poor move. So what my understanding is the deputy pulls up to the scene, Carol runs to him, and as soon as Carol runs to him, Charles is in the car off driving. So Joe had gotten the gun and was just kind of like saying like, don't move or I'll shoot until the cop got there, you think? I assume. I don't really know. But I mean, Joe really is a big part in what finally got Charles arrested. During the police chase, one of the bullets fired went through the back windshield of the car and hit Charles in the ear, which caused him to come to a complete stop, and police were finally able to arrest this monster. Charles and Carol were both arrested for the murders of 11 innocent people. Carol stuck to the claim that she was a hostage and did not want to be a part of this. When they were first arrested, Charles even stated that he had kidnapped Carol and that she did not kill anyone. So when Charles found out that Carol had said that she was his hostage, he stopped protecting her, and that's when he changed his story to saying that she was involved in all of the killings. He even described her as one of the most trigger-happy people he had ever met. So in this case, he's saying she's the one shooting. Yeah, it's all over the place what his account is, because he... And that's something that comes up in court, is the fact that he changed his story like seven or eight times, and none of them added up to what Carol was saying. Charles ended up testifying against Carol in court, and like I said, they had talked about how he kept changing his story, so the defense really just wasn't great. Carol claimed that she was still unaware of her family's death, and that she thought that she was doing them a favor by going along with him so until she was arrested she said that she never knew that her family was dead and she was under the assumption that if she left him then he would kill her family so she told the judge that the only crime she committed was supposedly holding a gun to the heads of two teenagers as charles stole four dollars from them but i'm not sure if this was the teenagers they hitched a ride with or if this was another group of teenagers The judge, Harry Spencer, did not believe Carol in this story, and he ended up sentencing her to life in prison. Charles pleaded innocent by reason of insanity, but this was thrown out, and he was sentenced to death for the murders. On June 25th, 1959, Charles Starkweather was executed by electric chair in Lincoln, Nebraska. His last meal was actually cold cuts. I'm not sure why. I think I'd choose something a little fancier, but cold cuts it is and then he was asked if he had wanted to donate his eyes and 
He said that he didn't want to donate his eyes and said, quote, why should I? Nobody ever gave me anything, end quote. Why was he asked specifically if he wanted to donate his eyes? Not just like his organs, but specifically his eyes? I don't have an answer for that. I don't know that I would want the eyes of a serial killer. They asked Charles if he had any final words, and he just shook his head no. Charles was buried at the Wayuka Cemetery in Lincoln. Carol was eventually paroled in June of 1976 and went on to live her life. She married a man named Frederick Clare and settled down in Michigan working as a nurse. Carol states that she told Frederick everything of her past and he still chose to marry her afterwards. Carol continues to claim her innocence in the crimes to this day. And Frederick's son actually came out and said that him and Carol have sat down and she's actually cried about the fact that she was so involved in this and talked about how this is like the worst time of her life and she regrets every moment. In 2013, Carol and her husband were in a car crash and it killed Frederick on impact. Carol had many injuries and took many months to heal from her injuries. But Frederick's son still stands by Carol and says that she's a victim just as much as those who lost their lives to Charles Starkweather. So, Abby, where do you stand on Carol's involvement? Do you think that she should have been released from prison less than 20 years after serving her sentence? I do, mostly because she was only 13 or 14 at the time of all of it. And I don't think someone who commits a crime as a child necessarily needs to be put away for life in circumstances such as this, where it's unclear how involved she was. I think whether or not she was actually killing them, she would, I would hope, feel regret and hate that part of her life because that's horrifying either way. I think I would need to know a little bit more information to give a really good opinion on her involvement, though. So one of the things that I didn't mention earlier, I was kind of waiting just to see what your opinion was. Charles had taken a lie detector test in regards to Carol's involvement. And while it's not admissible in court, the lie detector test did show that Carol was involved and did commit some of the murders. So, I mean, take that as you will. A lie detector test isn't admissible in court for a reason. I don't know 100% where I stand. I mean, I think that if somebody had killed my family or threatened to kill my family, I would probably go along with them as well. The judge said that his main reason for sentencing Carol to life in prison and thinking that she had things to do with it was the fact that she had many opportunities to get away. But I'm not sure that I agree with that statement because there are so many cases nowadays of domestic violence and things where a lot of people say that, like, well, why didn't you run away? But a lot of times that puts the victim in more harm than whether than just staying with well, their abuser at times. She was clearly young, and I just... I think if someone's telling you they have a gun, they're killing people, you're seeing them kill people, and they say... I'm going to kill your family if you leave. I mean, at that age, I probably would have been too scared to go to. Oh, I agree. I mean, I'm not shaming her for staying at all. Like, it makes sense. But there, people are kind of back and forth on whether or not she's a part of it. Carol just kind of lives a quiet life and doesn't talk about this anymore. I read somewhere that she had done one public interview since she was convicted about this murder spree that she was a part of or not as much a part of. But I think that this is just going to be one of those cases where the only people that are ever really going to know what happened during these murders is the people that were there. 
You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm forward slash Erica Abby. Donations to our podcast are greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. If you like us, you can recommend us or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us on your podcast listening medium. Thank you so much. Bye.